Hey there, podcasters. I thought I would just pop on today to be a blessing to you in the way of this new topic that I've been toying with over the last couple of days. I don't know if you had an opportunity to listen to uh, the podcast before this particular episode, which was episode 31, which should have blessed you. But I mentioned in episode 31 how I was going to come back in and this next episode, which is episode 32, to talk a little bit about what God is doing in this particular moment and what you can kind of expect to be happening. You know, every now and then on my podcast, I will pop in and just go completely prophetic just to kind of give you some clarity on what you can be expecting in that particular season and in that particular hour from the move of God. And with this particular topic, this is going to give you some clarity on how to continue to move forward um, from this point forward to be blessed and also to recognize what God is doing. Because a lot of the times we fall short because we don't recognize that God is doing something new. So we have a tendency to miss it. So I'll talk a little bit about that. So I would like for you to understand that um, I'll be teaching today, but it'll definitely be in more of a prophetic um, arena and what I'll be talking about so that you can be uh, blessed in this particular season. The title of my topic today is Christ, our pattern, Christ, our pattern. And then scriptures that we're going to come out of is uh, John chapter two, verses one through 11. That is John chapter two, verses one through 11. And again, if I had to title this topic, it would be titled Christ, our pattern. Now, um, I'll give you a little bit of a backdrop, like I always do before we go right into the scriptures. And we're in the book of John, and this is uh, following um, the backdrop of John the Baptist proclaiming that Jesus is the Messiah. So basically, John has uh, made his proclamation that, you know, Jesus is the Christ and Jesus um, begins to gather his disciples. So at this point in the story, Jesus is now at what I would consider a social event. So this is actually kind of a blessing to us because it allows us to see a different aspect of Jesus. If is Jesus, if we stop and really take a look at it, it allows us to see Jesus from the perspective of him putting himself inside of places where people are. Uh, One thing about um, a believer is we have to understand that God is a relational type of God. He has always had the focus of the family. From the very beginning, you have Adam in the garden and Adam's there, but he looks and feels that Adam should not be alone. So he provides Adam with a relational partner, even though Adam is made in his image, you know, in God's glory and woman is made in Adam's glory. These, these are all intuitive of a relationship with God and just that whole conceptualization of relationship with man. So I want you to keep that in mind because as we look at Jesus in what I like to think of as this social setting, we get to see 
his personality set and how he felt about being around people, that he was very in touch with being around people. He wasn't uh, just locked in his house, praying all day. And, you know, he wasn't this super hyper spiritual um, type of Jesus. He was a very relatable Jesus. He was very, very much laying the template so that we could look at his life and find ourselves inside of the threads of the fabric. And this particular scripture um, in this chapter is talking about how Mary and Jesus and Jesus' disciples are at a wedding. And at this wedding, Jesus ends up in, you know, turning the, the water to wine. And a lot of us have heard this story in some way, shape, or form. Um, and this is going to allow you to see him around people, regular people, and it's going to allow you to see him rise to the occasion um, when a need arises. And this is um, definitely a life's lesson for us as um, believers that we should not isolate ourselves or live as hermits. We have to get out there in social settings so our light can shine amongst men. And when your light is shining amongst men, people will want to know why you're happy, why you have joy. They will want you to be the resolution to their problems. So that's basically what Jesus is doing in this situation. Now, I'm in John 2 verses 1 through 11, and I'm going to go ahead and start reading that right now. It says, the next day, Jesus' mother was a guest at a wedding celebration in the village of Canaan in Galilee. Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. The wine supply ran out during the festivities. So Jesus' mother spoke to him about the problem. They have no more wine, she told them. How does that concern you and me, Jesus asked. My time has not yet come. But his mother told the servants, do whatever he tells you. Six stone water pots were standing there. They were used for Jewish ceremonial purposes and held 20 to 30 gallons each. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled to the brim, he said, dip out and take it to the master of the ceremonies. So they followed these instructions. When the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it had come from, though, of course, the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Usually a host serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone is full and doesn't care, he brings out the less expensive wines. But you have kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was Jesus's first display of his glory and his disciples believed in him. After the wedding, he went to Capernaum for a few days with his mother and his brothers and the disciples. Now, 
in this particular setting, there is a lot going on. Remember I told you it allows us to look at Jesus uh, from a more social setting, which uh, confirms to me that we're not supposed to just find ourselves um, operating and staying in the confines of our four walls. We're supposed to get out there and allow our lights to shine among men because Jesus is showing that. Not only that, he brings his disciples along with him. So he's bringing his disciples along. His family is there. So he's showing a balance between family and friends that you can, you can have a balance between family and friends and you can still serve and do the things of God. This is what that's telling me. The other thing that is very significant about this that stood out to me was um, one scripture that just came to mind was your latter shall be better than your former. Because let's think about this. We have uh, Jesus here on the scene. He's there at a celebration. He wasn't coming here to, to do anything but to just be in the social setting. But of course, wouldn't you know, you show up somewhere and of course people are going to have needs that need to be met. Now you have to understand that these particular wedding celebrations during this particular historical time period, weddings would last for at least a week. And it was in the uh, best interest of the person having the celebration to ensure that they had enough wine to be able to uh, take care of everyone throughout the entire celebration. It was just kind of like uh, a way to have great hospitality. So to run out of wine was considered to be an insult, you know, to uh, to the people that, you know, you're not prepared, you know, you're, you, you know, you're not welcoming us. And that, that was an insult for them to run out of wine. So, Mary notices that, okay, they're in need of something. She shows up to the celebration, not in the spirit just to receive. And that's, that's the, that's the one thing I want you to, to first, actually the first thing I want you to get is when you show up somewhere, showing up in a spirit to be able to be a blessing to someone, not showing up in the spirit that, you know, what is this setting or the people at this setting going to do for me. And I know that's not none of my listeners out there, but you know, oftentimes we can find ourselves in situations where we're, we're saying things like, well, you know what, I'm not going to do this unless they do this for me. You know, we don't have that, um, unselfish type of attitude where I'm going to go here and I'm just going to, you know, make myself available for whoever needs it. It looks like in this particular scripture that Mary is there and she has this open and soft heart to notice that a need is, is, has a role inside of this celebration. Cause I'm sure there's multiple people there, but for some reason she notices that the wine is going to run out. And that's the second thing I want to talk about. If there's a challenge at your job, a challenge in your family, a challenge that arises during this season and you take notice of it, it's brought to your attention, it arises in your spirit, then nine times out of 10, God has the resolution that's going to come through you. And I know some of us don't want to hear that. We just like to kind of show up at the place and we like to 
pick out all the problems and say, hey, you know what, y'all need to fix that. Or I read the program and they had this many spelling errors in it. Or, you know, if they had to ask me and we could have fixed this or that, you know, we have to start to go and show up in the spirit to give. But not only that, show up in that in that way where you can notice and be so soft and humbled in your spirit that you can recognize that, you know what? There's a need that has to be met. And if I'm seeing that this need has to be met, I don't need to look around and confirm that with anybody else or ask the person next to me if they see that we ran out of wine, you know, or ask two other people to agree with me um, about this wine running out. You see that the wine ran out, then you need to get up and do something. God has allowed you to notice that thing so that you can provide the resolution for it. One thing that I know about God, if I don't know anything else, is when he allows you to pick something out and to notice something, he has the resolution within yourself. It's not something you have to go uh, look for or find. It's right there. It's already at the table. You don't even have to go look for it. You just have to figure out what do I already have here that can be a blessing to resolving this problem. I know that I'm right because think about the widow who had the son and she was getting ready to uh, get, she was gathering the sticks and she was getting ready to prepare to die. Basically when the prophet shows up on the scene and the prophets, you know, pretty much tells her, you know, so what do you have left when he asked her to make the bread? And she says, this is all that I have is just this little bit, you know, because he's saying, well, tell me what you got so I can, I can be able to bless you. He already recognized the problem. This is the problem, but let's see what you already have. So, so we can go ahead and begin to resolve the issue through the moving of um, God. So when I look at this particular uh, passage, that's what comes to mind for me, that in this particular hour, that the resolution God is already going to have, it's going to be a creative resolution because we serve a creative God. How many of you know that we serve a creative God? created the world in a set number of days. He spoke by the word to tell the oceans to hold back. He's his very words set the moon in the sky. His very words tells the sun to go down and the moon to set. Like he does all these things with his creative word. This is the God that we serve, that we was created in his image. And now we're just a moving and living being an outward expression of God. You say, well, why do you say that? I say that because when he created us in his image from this dirt on the ground, he then blew air in us. So when I think about that and I say he blew air or he blew his spirit, his Rapha in us, then we become this moving and living being. So because he's blown his life into us, that is how I know that we are an outward expression of him, you know, and we can be able to go and do the things that our God can do. We can create by the power of our words and we can uh, create uh, resolutions for problems if we would just seek after him and act. And that's what's being shown here in this scripture. Mary notices this problem and she says, you know what? She jumps into action. She says, you know what, son? Basically, she goes to her son and says, how, you know, Jesus's mother spoke to him. I'm up in uh, verse three, two and three, John two and three. The wine supply ran out during the festivity. So Jesus's mother spoke to him about the problem. 
they have no more wine, she told him. So she basically brings the problem to him. She notices the problem. She brings the problem to the person who could solve the problem. She says, they don't have no more wine. He looks at her and says, well, how does that concern you and me? And then Jesus asks, my time, my time has not come. But then he proceeds on to move through solving this problem. And that's what takes us up to the six pots that are there. And remember I told you about the widow when Elijah said, hey, you know, what do you have? See, Jesus is, is, is doing that right here. He's saying, you know what? Six stone pots, I'm in verse six. Six stone water pots were standing there. They were used for Jewish ceremonial purposes. So he's saying he takes note of these six pots that are already sitting around. They explain to us that these six pots are normally used for ceremonial purposes. And the pots, they're giving us a, a kind of a quick snapshot so that we can see that these are about 20 to 30 gallon uh, pots. And Jesus tells the servants, fill the jar. So basically he looks around to see what he already has. No different than when, she, when Elijah says, okay, what do you have? You know, what do you already have? And she says, I just have this little bit of oil left. And he just, he goes and blesses that what she has. And then, you know, you know, the rest of the story, but Jesus looks around and he told the servants, fill the jars with water. So he takes notes that there's six stone water pots. He takes notes of the size of the water pots. He takes note that these water pots are used for specific ceremonial purposes, but he tells them, go ahead, fill the water pots with water. So this is telling me that he's saying, you know what? I realize that I'm fixing this problem and there's no need for me to go out and try to go externally trying to fix it, that I have everything I need right here inside of this environment to provide the resolution for it. It says, when the jars have been filled to the brim, he said, dip some out and take it to the master of ceremonies so they follow his instructions. Now, I find this interesting too, because as Mary, remember I said Mary had an open heart to recognize the problem, knew she could help be an instrument and solving it. She takes the problem to Jesus. Jesus is trying to figure out, okay, figure out, okay, what does that have to do with me? He goes into action. He looks and notices what he has in his environment. He doesn't have to go externally and call anybody and get a double confirmation, pray on it, consecrate, do anything. He just understands that, you know what, if the Lord's brought me a problem, I can solve it. So he looks and sees what he has. He sees the resources around him by way of people and says, okay, this is what I need you to do. Now, the, the, there's another piece that kind of snaps onto this because the people inside of the environment that in this particular season for you, when you're trying to elevate, go to the next level, do what God has called you to do, um, whatever uh, thing you're trying to tap into, the people inside of the environment that you're in, it is so crucial for you to be around people that's like-mindedness and that's not going to second guess you. Let me say that one more time so you can write that down. In this season, you're trying to go to the next level. You're trying to do something different. Whatever it is that you're trying to allow to come forth 
from the spirit that God has already showed you, the only uh, way to do that is you're going to have to make sure that the environment that you surround yourself with, the people in that environment are like minded and that they know how to submit to authority. How many of you know that when people don't know how to submit to authority, it can create hiccups and roller coasters inside of something that should be very quick to do. You say, okay, what do I mean? I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean. If I look at my child and I say, hey, I need you to um, not touch that arm. It's hot. Don't do that. They need to know at some point in their life that they just need to listen to what I'm saying and they have to trust what I'm saying and understand that I wouldn't tell them something that would hurt them. But then on the other hand, when if I had a, a child and say they have their two or three brothers and sisters around them and I say, don't touch that arm. And instead of them listening directly to me and just obeying that authority and being submitted to it, they can start to converse with their brother and their sister and take in that extra information that has nothing to do with the miracle that's trying to be brought forth at that particular moment. They're bringing external forces and devices and opinions and analogies and met that methodologies and philosophies inside of this particular thing that needs to be birthed. And now that they're all off track, listening to someone else who's not called to do that particular thing and to help you to walk through that season. They're not the people they're conversing with or their brother and sister aren't in like-mindedness with them because maybe the brother and sister is rebelling against the parent. Maybe the brother and sister don't want to listen and they're telling uh, the child to uh, not listen and that they can touch the arm or, or whatever the case may be, but they're causing that friction and they're causing the, that disbelief to then come forth. And now that child is completely out of the will of being, being a blessing or being inside of a process that's supposed to be a blessing to a bigger, uh, set of events. And that's crucial for you in this season. You have to surround yourself with people that are like-mindedness. And what that means is people that understand that faith is important when it comes to interacting with the parallels of God. People that understand that, you know what? I lean not to thy own, thy own understanding and all my ways acknowledge him. He will direct my path. Because when, when people begin to give instructions to do something, Time is of the essence. How many of you know that sometimes we have an open window and you need to get inside of that open window at a particular time at an, and in a particular moment. And it's no room for you to have errors or take advice and all these other opinions. And it can cause you to actually be out of the will of God. Not only that, it can cause you to lose an opportunity. And how many of you know that in this season, there's a lot of opportunities happening, but you, but you can lose that opportunity because it's time for you to walk through a door that you are given instructions to walk through. But instead of you just trusting, you are uh, double minded going back and forth. And now the door is now closed and you've missed an opportunity. We don't want that for you. And, and what is happening with these servants in uh, John two, verse seven, it says Jesus told the servants to fill the jars with water. When the jars have been filled to the brim, he said, dip out and take it to the master of ceremonies. 
So they follow his instructions. Now, during this whole time, I don't read in there where they second guessed him. They doubted him or they even asked him any questions. They immediately just came in, submitted to what it is that the man of God wanted them to do at that particular time. They were submitted to the Messiah that they, they already knew. And, I, and to, to even hit this thing home, Mary, when she first gave the, her original set of instructions, she said at the very onset that they needed to listen to what he said to do that. She said it. She said, Hey, do it. Basically do whatever he tells you to do. If you go back up to verse five, she says, do whatever he tells you to do. So she's basically already saying something and co-signing uh, on what it is as far as that submission piece that they needed to do. Basically saying, look, uh, right now, we don't need all that extra, the extra comments. We don't need you to write a point paper on it. We don't need you to get a confirmation or, or get a sermonette. We don't need you to get on your Google to check it out, to, to do anything. I don't need you to research it, to ask your cousin, to ask your brother, your sister, or whoever. We just need for you to do what he tells you to do. So that means I need to be around people that are submitted, like-mindedness, and can follow instructions so we don't miss this opportunity to be able to be a blessing to the bridegroom who's ran out of wine. She's staying focused on the problem at hand and staying focused on Jesus who can provide the resolution, but ensuring that the people that she assigns to follow Jesus through this process and to get to this resolution, she's making sure that they understand you need to go here and listen. Well, do I don't need you to go here and try to now become the leader of this project. He's the leader of the project. He has everything aligned out in his agenda. He knows who's going to do what and how it's going to happen. You just need to get on stage and do your role. Play your part that he told you to play. You don't need to tell nobody what part they need to play. You don't need to get in anybody else's lane and run their race. Matter of fact, you don't need even need to give anybody no extra advice. You need to worry about you, run your race, be submitted and let God do what he needs to do by using you. Now I'm in verse nine. It says, when the master of the ceremonies tasted the water that was now wine, not knowing where it came from, though, of course, the servants knew he called the bridegroom over. Usually a host serves the best wine first, he says. Then when everyone is full and doesn't care, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you have kept the best for last. So this is a blessing to me in this hour because what I'm looking at is that. Um, and remember what I said that the title was Christ, our pattern. In this particular scripture, a pattern is broke. And this is why I wanted to come on here and teach this thing prophetically, because in this particular hour, as you do some of those minor things that I said needed to be in alignment, you know, the little ingredients that I gave you to bake the cake that Mary did to ensure that the resolution came to fruition in the way that it was supposed to. There's still some things that we have to understand as far as the big picture. So what is really happening in this hour and in this hour, that's the reason I titled this Christ, our pattern. Christ is breaking patterns. He's setting new, well, he's breaking 
old patterns and setting new patterns. And he lays it out here with this particular scripture because normally back then, the way that they made wine was not by taking water and throwing it into six 30 gallon pots and then uh, saying, okay, this is gonna be wine. He steps on the scene and does a whole new pattern. His pattern is that, okay, look, Take what you give me, what y'all got, and we just gonna make what we got work. He's done that several times. We know he tells them to get the when they had the fish and five loaves. He takes what they have. What do y'all have? And he takes it. He breaks it. He gives thanks, and then what? It multiplies. So he knows it. Look, I'm getting ready to set a new pattern, and I need you to be open to it. I need like-minded people to be open to this new way of thinking, this Christ pattern. So that you can be blessed in this hour. And I know that I'm right because the old pattern that they was following, that that pattern ran out. See, what happens is when you have certain resources, they're going to run out in this hour. But it's not a bad thing. They run out so that God can begin to give you the new thing that he has for you. But that new thing is not going to come to fruition the way that you was receiving that old thing. You say, okay, what do you mean? Okay, now when, during this time, the way that they got wine was what? They picked the uh, grapes, they um, stomped on the grapes, or you can call it a wine press, or however they pressed the um, grapes back then to get the skin off, took the juice, uh, put figs, dates, pomegranates in it, let it sit so that it can produce wine for them. Now, during this time when they ran out of wine, I told you that the uh, weddings were a week long. So I'm sure they have prepared weeks in advance to prepare enough wine for this particular wedding or to gather enough wine for this particular wedding. They've ran out of wine. So they don't have time to stop in the middle of this ceremony or go step on some grapes and try to make some wine really quick. They have to trust God. What is, has happened is when that need is no longer being met, when it runs out, running out of something is not necessarily a bad thing. This is what I tell people. God said he's always going to bless you with what you stand in need of. He said his seeds don't go begging bread. You have to trust that. If, if, if the wine is running out, he has a way of replenishing the wine. Now, the key, remember I told you, the key in this particular season is Christ patterns. He's going to break patterns. He's going to do things in a different way. So don't look to that old pattern to produce something. Because they could have, remember I told you, they could have looked to the old pattern to try to produce wine, but it wouldn't have gotten done on time. So if you can get that on today, you're going to be able to recognize the patterns that are taking place, the new patterns that are trying to bring a blessing to you, the, you know, in an area that you feel that you are lacking or that you feel that is going to run out of resources. God, God is trying to bless you by getting you to open your eyes to that which you already have and to show you that, guess what? I'm just only trying to introduce you to a new pattern, a new pattern that's going to bless you with the resolution to your situation. Okay, let's keep deep diving into this thing. Now, remember I told you how um, this whole thing with patterns can kind of trip us up because we'll get used to something happening a certain way and then we only pay attention to it 
happening that way, which we only want it to happen that way, which causes us to have what? Tunnel vision, which causes us to be now distracted on focusing and telling God that it has to happen in a particular way. And now instead of God leading and guiding us with the Holy Spirit, we're all of course telling um, the, telling God what we want and what he needs to do and when he could be very well he's trying to do something brand new in our life and now we're completely off track and we're missing it when God's doing something new we know that he can't pour new wine into old wineskins so if you are still set on the old way of doing things you're not going to be able to receive the new way of doing things you can't have two masters you have to figure out today which one you're going to do you either going to 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 say all right I, I accept that you're doing something new lord i put away all that old stuff and i'm opening myself up to what's new open my eyes so that i can recognize this new pattern or you're going to keep uh trying to get something that he's no longer doing and eventually that's disobedience and you're going to find yourself in rebellion and that's not a place that we want to be when it comes to being in the will of god now, the other thing that I wanted to bring up is, you know, how we talk about uh, how Mary is talking to her son at this particular time and she's going to him for a particular need to be met. And that's crucial in this hour because at least for, for her, Joseph is off the scene. So you got to understand that Joseph is dead. So she right now, the only thing that she has in her house, you know, is her sons who are now stepping into a place to to uh lead and to help her she's trusting the lord that's inside of them which is really a blessing to me when i read this because i look and i say okay as they're resolving and she notices this problem she's trusting that you know what my son can fix this he can fix this issue and i'm going to go to him you know, cause she's, this is a mother. So there's some, a bit of humility here to go to your child to fix a problem. Come now, hear me now. You're a, you're the parent. You're used to fixing the problem. You're used to having the answers and the resolution. But in this hour, I'm challenging y'all to understand this. I'm going prophetic now that your answers may not come from uh, the people that are over you. You know, it might not come from the, uh, the the mouth that you expecting it to come from. It might come from somewhere totally unexpected, totally unexpected. It coming from a place that breaks order. Get that now. The answer will come from a place that breaks order. So you might be bent up on, oh, well, you know, I got to go to such and such because they always give me the answer. They're over me. I'm trying to get you to understand there's no junior Holy Spirit. There's no senior Holy Spirit. That's not how the Holy Spirit operates. He does what he wants to do as the father wills. So he can just choose to operate through whoever, whenever, however he decides to operate. It's your job to keep your heart open because I said, if he's doing a new pattern, you got to put away your old wine skins, get a new way of thinking and be open to receiving the answer and the resolution to the problem from any source that God decides to uh, bring it from. We've already seen in the Bible that the Lord has what spoke through a donkey. So we have to be open to the way that God wants to deliver the resolution to us. 
us. And I'm telling you up front, he's breaking order. He's breaking order. It's not going to come all strategic like you used to coming from your uh, spiritual father that you always go to for answers and all this this stuff that you used to. Patterns are being broken. God is giving you answers in different places. And this is a good thing because it's a refreshing it's a refreshing of your relationship with God and your, you depending on him in a deeper and much more intimate way. Now, and I'm almost closing, so stay with me. So there's a couple of tidbits of information I want to go back and recap just to make sure that you got it from this particular story. Now, I said in this particular season, one, the major thing you need to focus on is the blessings of God are yes and amen. The word of God is yes and amen. Th that, that's what it is. Those promises are like hanging fruit. They are still there and ready to be fulfilled in your life. But in this hour, Christ is breaking old patterns. He's setting new patterns. So I would challenge you daily for you to get up and renew your mind. We should be doing this daily anyways, you know, through how we approach Christ, you know, you know, making sure that we are in prayer, making sure that we're giving God gratitude, making sure that we're making him our priority before we do anything, allowing him to set our day. That's the first thing we have to understand is in this season, Christ is breaking old patterns. He's doing things in a new way. The other thing we have to um, understand is that he's breaking order. So the answers and the resolution to your problems may come from a, like the order being broke, that he's going to give it in um, the least likely place. And when those resolution comes, you need to understand this is the, the other piece I want to make sure that I um, remind you of is being around like minded people, people that have that faith level of submitting and not asking 50 questions that can follow instructions so that you don't miss an opportunity or a door that's open for a particular set in time that doesn't give you time to go confirm and do all this stuff that you used to do in your last season. Opportunities are going to come and the door is going to close. You need to be able to be ready. You don't need to be getting ready. You need to be ready when the opportunity arises so that you can walk through the door. Now, let me say that again. That was good to me. You know what? Let me say that one more time. You need to be ready when the opportunity arises so you can walk through the door. You need to be ready when the opportunity presents itself so that you can be able to embrace it. You don't need to be getting ready. That's the last thing you need to do is to be trying to get ready when the opportunity presents itself. You need to be ready. And I told you the promises are yes and amen. So if he promised you something, why don't you get ready for it? Why do you have to wait for the promise to come to pass for you to go and start to build the business plan? Why do you have to wait for the promise to come to pass for you to start to go plan this or do that? You believe that thing and begin to move and execute like you do. Your actions need to line up with your video, period. So the other thing I wanted to add in there is that when I talked about the like-mindedness and, you know, submitted, you know, to that authority and that leadership, you know, having that peace in place, 
you know, so that the blessings can be executed on time and, you know, in a timely fashion. The other thing is to trust that God will solve the problem his way. This is something I need for you to understand in this hour. God is going to solve the problem his way. You don't need to try to line out a set of instructions and pray them to God. What you need to do is seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. And the other thing you need to do is to understand that he says, I know the plans that I have for you. It's not to harm you or to hinder you. Any of that is to give you a hope in the future. So if he knows the plans that he has for you, he's going to work this thing to its expected end. You can trust that he will solve the problem his way. He says that man plans, but he orders your steps. So that's saying that you can have a plan. I'm not saying that you don't plan. I'm saying don't think that that has to be executed. You know, that God has to follow that particular thing that you laid out. You have to be open to the fact of letting God solve the problem in his way and in his timing. The last thing that I want to make sure that you get for this season is to accept that you don't need to know the plan. And I know this is a hard one for people to swallow. And they're like, you know what? Wait a minute. You already told me to trust that he's going to solve the problem his way. And that's a lot for me right now to give up, you know, control. You know what? Yeah, I'm going to say it. Some of us have control problems where we feel that we have to control everything. We got to control I mean, everything, we got to know the plan. God has to execute it this way. If he's not executing it that way, then we try to say, oh, this seems like it's out of order because it's not happening this way. When it's not that it's out of order, it's controlled chaos. Look at your neighbor and say controlled chaos. And if you don't have a neighbor, look at yourself and say controlled chaos. God will control the situation. And I know that I'm right because in the midst of the storm, when he bid Peter to come out on the water, there was a storm all around them. And he was very aware that the storm was there and he had it under control. When they were scared in the boat and Jesus was sleeping and he woke up, he told them, ye of little faith, because he understands that I got all this under control. Have you not come into a revelatory knowledge of who I am? Have you not come into the revelatory knowledge that I have this all in my hands? And that's why I initially told you that you have to trust that he will solve the problem his way. Once you rest in the fact that he will solve the problem his way and you're submitted to him, then number three is easy. You can accept that you don't need to know the plan. See, you, once you accept, look, he's going to solve it regardless of the point because I'm a child of God and he loves me. And the father already said, if a child is hungry, will he give his uh, son or daughter a snake? He's not going to hand you something crazy if he know that you need something. He know you need somewhere to live. You think he's just going to leave you? He knows that your rent is due at a certain time. You think he don't have a plan for that? You think if he got your, um, he didn't give you the money and you getting evicted, you think he don't have somewhere else for you to go? Wake up, open your eyes, see him high and lifted up. God's not going to leave you and, and leave you out back, take you somewhere and then drop you off. Even if for those of you, 
who are in a challenge with your homes right now. I see it just as clear as day. God has a plan for you. If you don't have the money right now, he's going to get things to you. He knows you have to have somewhere to lay your head. He knows you got to pay your mortgage. And if he don't pay your mortgage, that means he's going to take care of that. He has somewhere else for you to go. He has another house that you can buy. Don't get so stuck on the temporal things that you miss and, and lose track of the eternal things. And you lose track of God and his sovereignty, God and who he really is is God and he how big he is that you start to let the challenges of life overshadow him see that's why I love David and Goliath because see I look at it and I see how big Goliath was and how David could have allowed that to overshadow him how small David is in comparison to Goliath and how Goliath makes it a point to bring that into perspective when he talks about it and puts it out there to us so we can hear him tell David, you know, hey, why would y'all bring me a little boy to fight me? And he starts laughing because that is how the situation can begin to morph itself and make you think that, man, this is really, really big. And you start to make yourself seem really, really small. But God says, you know what? Take this situation right here. Lay this template over your life. I don't care how big the situation is and how small you think you are. I'm a big guy. I can take care of that. I got it all under control. And think about God's reputation, how flawless it is. He's never uh, went into a battle that he lost. He's going to take care of you because he loves you. We are children of the most high God. Everything here belongs to him, was made for him and by him. So why would he not take care of us? Especially at this point in our life, he loves us. He's going to take care of us. It comes into the revelatory knowledge of you understanding his attributes and understanding that him not taking care of you would go completely against who he is. It would go against his nature. It would go, it would stop him from being God. God is love. He's going to love you through it. He's going to take care of you. You know what? I don't even want to get started because I'll start on another uh, lesson going there. But like I was saying, number three is accept that you don't need to know the plan. I already told you, Jeremiah, 29 and 11. God knows the plan and that's all you really need to rely on. If he knows the plan, he's going to take care of you. He's been the alpha and the omega. He's been here since the very uh, beginning of time. He created time. So why wouldn't you trust him if he's the creator of all things? Why not trust him? He's the best person to trust and he's our God. So this really blessed me on today. So I just want you guys to understand that the patterns are being set in a different way. It's a different way this season. Patterns are being broke. God is going to continue to bless you, but your surroundings are important. Your heart is important in how you step into those surroundings. One must be humble. One must be willing to, uh, Accept the resolution from whoever God decides to bring the resolution through. And you must be around like-minded people ready to be submitted to the cause. The cause so that the resolution can come forth. So, Lord, we are ending here. And I thank you guys for listening to me on today. Again, today's topic was Christ, our pattern. We talked about water turning into wine, how it began to follow a different pattern, how God has done a shift. And during this season, you'll be more inclined to recognize the new patterns 
and be able to receive the blessings of God. If you let go of your old ways of thinking or the old patterns that you're used to seeing something in. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for this awesome word that you've allowed us to be able to embark on that journey with you, God. We thank you for revelatory knowledge, Lord. We thank you for prophetic knowledge. We thank you for a rim of word, God, for you allowing us to know that in this particular hour, we can rely and trust in the plan that you have for us. And we don't have to know the plan. Not only that, that this new plan that you devised, God, the master plan will break patterns and it's okay because breaking patterns is something that you've been doing since the very beginning, always doing things fresh and anew that Grace is given to us new every day. So, Lord, we thank you for that. I ask that you cover each and every listener that's under the sound of my voice from the crown of their heads to the soles of their feet. God, I decree and declare that they will begin to walk upright in the word of God like never before, that they will get a fresh wind on them of the anointing God, that the old oil will be poured out in this hour and that you will begin to pour fresh oil into their vessels, God, that you'll begin to give them a deeper knowledge and a more intimate relationship with you, God, and that they'll begin to draw closer to you and you'll draw nigh to them in this particular season, God. I thank you for those that are having a cave experience, God, because I can attest to that, that a cave experience like you did with David in the cave, and when he went to the cave, God, that was the time that you needed him to spend with you, God. And although it might feel as if you are discouraged or in distress, God is with you in the distress. God is carrying you. God is speaking with you. God is spending that time with you so that you can be intimate with him so that you can birth something afresh and something anew. God has everything under control. It's all in his hands. And Lord, we say that we trust you on today, Lord. We say that we give it all to you on today, Lord. We submit our mind, will, emotions to you, God. We ask that you just begin to go in and do a work like never before. We ask all of these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. And amen. And I will be coming on here in the next couple of days after I continue to deep dive more into the word to be a blessing to you guys. And I just pray that you guys have a wonderful day and use these bits of knowledge that we threw out. Take the nuggets so that you're able to be a blessing to someone else and to yourself throughout the remainder of the week. Amen, amen, and amen.